Welcome to Radical Simple Living Podcast. This is Series 2 and this is Episode 6. Now, as normal, I'm coming to you from my kitchen here in Smallland in southern Sweden. Uh, I'm surrounded by cats here. I've got four cats and three of them are indoors and there's a good reason for that because outside it is blowing a storm. Uh, there's rain, there's wind. One cat has bravely gone out after breakfast to uh, investigate but I think he'll be back fairly soon. Yesterday also we had our first snow of the year. It wasn't very much to be honest but we normally get a little snowfall in October just to remind us that winter is on the way and yesterday morning sure enough it snowed. So an eventful week. I've also been plagued by power problems this week. We had more windy weather about a week ago and since then I've had problems with uh, with the power. Uh, I think there's not enough coming through so Lights are flickering and occasional power cuts and all kinds of problems like that. And I'm a self-sufficient kind of chap, so I'm trying to work this out myself. What's happening? Uh, I may have to call an electrician, but I will do that reluctantly for two reasons. One, because to sort it myself means I will learn something through the process and empower myself for when it happens next time. Um, and the other reason is electricians in Sweden are rare as figs on a pear tree they they're not very common and when you find them <coughs> excuse me they're very expensive and they have a long waiting list and so calling an electric most people in sweden are pretty good in this part of sweden they're pretty good at doing their own electrics my problem here is a tricky one um, uh, and not to bore you with all the details of it but it results in partial power cuts to certain bits of the house with no no fuses tripping and then the power comes back on and everything's okay and then other bits go out and I'm told it's probably due to sagging in the cable somewhere along the line and seeing as my house is the last on a very long line of cable that goes all the way to a, a town many miles away uh, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all enough of my problems uh, let's talk about uh, what we're here to do today which is to talk about how do you develop a steady core to get you through what's happening uh, and this is not only what's happening in your personal life but what's happening in the world how does simple living equip you to cope with what's going on and it all goes back to the three things that I stated back in series one, right at the beginning, that were important for anybody that seeks to live a radically simple life. Number one of those things was you, you must want to live a life that is uncomplicated, that is self-sufficient, that doesn't involve you in unnecessary difficulties and problems to solve. Sorry, I had to pause then to open the door to let another cat out into the wind and rain. I don't know. What would you go for? A warm fireside with a cup of tea uh, or out in the wind and the rain? Well, there we go. You're not a cat, I don't suppose, so it makes a difference. The second thing about simple living um, is that you need to extend your duty of care to the environment. You can't just care for your house and your 
garden or your small holding or, or your homestead and let the rest of the world fly by. You've got to take some responsibility for the planet we live on because we don't live on the planet forever, but we do have it in our trust for a while. We are custodians of the planet and what we do to it is important. So part of simple living is wanting to live your life without trashing the planet in the way, without throwing more plastic into the ocean, without increasing the temperature anymore, without polluting air and water any more than strictly necessary. So in order to fulfil this second ideal, we need to be green and simple, not green in a party political sense, but green in a sense that we're considering all the time the impact of what we do on the rest of the world. Now, the third thing I mentioned in series one about simple living is you need to develop some spiritual connection with what you're doing. And indeed, you need to tie your personal beliefs in with your overall lifestyle. You can't have a set of beliefs that say one thing and a lifestyle that says something different. You can't, for instance, say, I'm totally opposed to gambling. What do you do for a living? I'm a casino manager. Um, you can't say, I'm opposed to smoking. What do you do for a living? I work for an advertising agency designing posters for, for tobacco. I mean, it, it just is incompatible. But those are big things we notice. Those are big inconsistencies. But there's quite a lot of smaller ones. You know, if you, if you believe that we have to live a life that does not unnecessarily damage other people, then you've got to live that life. You've got to live up to what your beliefs tell you. Now, it may be that your spirituality is linked to a set of, of religious or political or philosophical views. Now, I'm not here to peddle any one of these particularly. I'm upfront about being a Quaker, and um, that's what I am, and so I probably speak like a Quaker. Uh, the problem is that if you have a set of religious or political, or spiritual, or philosophical beliefs, I don't want to say anything that is going to stop you, or tell you my ideas are better than your ideas, or say your faith is better than my faith, or your philosophy is better than my philosophy. What I'm suggesting is that whatever your outlook on life, be that religious, philosophical, political, you've got to marry that to the way you live your life. And if you want to live a radically simple life, You've got to be fairly honest with yourself about what your core values are. Now, um, what, does de what is the point of developing this spiritual outlook to your simplicity? What is the point of marrying together all these things so you have a coherent outlook on life? Well, I think it does a lot for you. I think having a spiritual dimension to your simplicity will help you develop the kind of clear mind that you want. When you start simple living, you may well want to dig up your lawn and start growing vegetables in it. You may want to turn a spare room you've got into a room where you can do dressmaking or you can do arts and crafts. You may want to reorganise your kitchen totally. So instead of focusing around the, the freezer and the microwave, it focuses around a big area where you can do lots of cooking from scratch. 
All of these are important aspects of simple living, but they require you to clear some space. Now, I've also said in series one, I'm not a minimalist because I believe to live a simple life, you need lots of tools and tools invariably lead to a bit of clutter that you might not need very often. If you're big into home preserving, canning and pickling, you'll need equipment to go with that and you've got to store the equipment somewhere and you're probably going to need a cupboard designated to it or a, a, at least a, a shelf or two in your pantry. A minimalist will be tearing their hair out saying, no, you need to be simpler. Uh, there's nothing wrong with minimalism. I'm just saying I'm not one. I'm a radical, simple living um, exponent, not a minimalism exponent. Minimalism has its place and it may be what you do and it may be right for you. But it's not what I'm talking about here. Clearing space in your house for simple living is fine, but you've also got to clear space in yourself. You've got to give yourself time to think. You've got to give yourself time to reason. You've got to give your time, self time to, to plan, to look for your overall aim in what you're doing in simple living. And a spiritual dimension to your life will help you do that. Well, how, how do you find a, a spiritual dimension? Well, well, maybe you've already got one. Maybe you're listening to this and maybe you're a pagan or maybe you're a conservative Catholic or maybe you're a Muslim or a, or a Sikh or a Hindu or a confirmed atheist or a, a back to the earth socialist or you can be any one of a number of things. But the important thing to do is that in your own head, you tie up what you believe with the life you're leading. Now, in, in many ways, life is like an obstacle course, isn't it? We all know this saying, stones in the road. There are stones in the road. There are things that you've got to navigate. And if there are stones in the road, what do you do? You've either, well, you have three options, don't you? You can get over the stone, you can go around the stone, or you can move the stone. You can't ignore the stones in the road. Everybody's life has things happen to it in it that are not their fault and not directly of their doing, but they have to cope with them. Now, many of you listening out there today will be coping with illness. And I will be very surprised if your illness was caused by anything you did. We know there are diseases of excess by people that smoke too much and drink too much. But most diseases people get are nothing to do with that. They're things that happen to them over which they have no real control. You can suddenly develop terrible pain in part of your body. You, your, your knees can become painful. And after a while, this will stop you doing what you want to do. You can develop a pain in the heel of your foot, which sounds a minor thing until you get it. And then you realise it is going to really stop you doing all kinds of things you might like to do. You may have an important activity you like doing, like running, and then you suffer a heel injury or a knee injury, and all of a sudden you find you can't run anymore, and all your expensive running shoes and running equipment are sitting in the cupboard while you work out what to do. If you have a strong core of belief in yourself and what you're doing, 
What you're able to do is to look at that situation and find a way around it. What you can say is, right, I've, I've got a knee injury, I can no longer go running. What I'm going to do is develop a new style of exercise that doesn't involve running. That might be visiting the gym or more likely it will be something you can do in your own home and you can work on. And you will keep up your strength. You want to capitalise on the fitness that you've got by the run, running by developing it in a different way. So that stone has appeared in the middle of your road and you have effectively gone around it by finding some other way to do what you want to do. Now, there are other obstacles that come in life. There are problems with relationships. There are problems with finances. There are problems with your family, with your children, maybe with your parents. There are problems with your job. You might lose your job through no fault of your own, some economic event that happens on the other side of the world, some war that happens. And at the moment, we've got wars raging in several parts of the world, which are having terrible effects on the people that live there but are also having ripple effects for the rest of us on the planet. Usually, I think I'll pause for a mouthful of tea here. There we go, I'm back. This um, podcast is unedited like all of them, by the way. It's unscripted and unedited, so coughs, splatters, cats falling off things, logs crackling, all just happen. Um, I would say people knocking on the door, but it's early on a Saturday morning, so I don't think anybody is, to be honest. Okay, so these things can happen to you. You can lose your job, you can lose your partner, you can lose lose your house. You've got to find a way around it. And having strong, simple, basic, core values, beliefs, ethics, if you like, spirituality, if you like to use that word, are going to help you with these things. They're going to help you because they're going to do something. They're going to give you some important things that are going to make you stronger. One of these things is steadiness. You know, when you see a film about a sailing ship, or maybe some of you are sailors yourself, and the captain will shout out, hold steady, i.e. the boat is going through difficult waters, and what you've got to do is keep steady. Keep your head, keep calm, keep going at it. To do that, if you are a sailor on a ship, you've got to believe in your captain, you've got to believe in your own ability to do something about it, and you've got to have a belief that you are going to get through that difficulty, and you are going to steer your ship into steady waters, and again, when the calm comes, you can all relax on deck and and, uh, enjoy life again. All of our lives are like that. All of our lives do these things. And steadiness is something you have to have at the core of your beliefs in what you're doing. You have to be steady. You have to be content. There's a lot of people that spend their lives wishing they were somebody else, wishing they were with somebody else, wishing they were living somewhere else, wishing they had a different job, wishing they had different parents, all of these things. The big news is you haven't. And all that does is leads to unhappiness. All wishing you were someone else and doing something else can lead to unhappiness. That's not saying you shouldn't have ambition to change your life. You should. But it's you that's changing your life and you are being carried into your new life. You're not going to be somebody else if you develop a new radical simple life. You're going to be you, but you're going to be doing different things. 
Contentment means you look at your surroundings and say, what can I do about this? How can I make it better? How can I grow more food in my garden? How can I make my home more simple? How can I make my life more simple? Yes, all of those are good things. And it may be you have to say, well, where I live at the moment isn't going to meet the needs I have for my new life. I'm going to have to find somewhere else to live. And if that's so, then you have to plan it carefully and do it. Don't spend your time wishing you were doing that whilst not doing anything. If that's what you want, that's what you have to do. Now, as well as steadiness and contentment, you've also got to have hope. And hope means that you're really wishing that things go a certain way. And the way to help hope along is to work very, very hard to in the direction of where you want to be going. We've said earlier, if you don't know the direction in another podcast, if you don't know the direction you're heading in, you can't make much progress in that direction. We've also spoken about progress recently and and how that word can be abused by people. You've got to have hope that what you're doing is going to work. When I plant seeds in the ground early in the year, in springtime, I hope I'm looking forward to them growing into healthy plants, about the slugs and badgers and deer, leaving them alone. And I look forward to a time wherein autumn I can harvest my crop and spend days canning the produce. And then in winter, sit back eating it. And that's what it's all about. Hope is very important. If you find hope is a little flickering flame inside you, what you've got to do is fan that flame and build it up. You've got to help hope along. If you're hoping for something, work for it too. Because hope doesn't work on its own. It's no good me sitting here and saying, I hope this happens, I hope that happens. I can't hope that my garden gets uh, uh, ready for next year. I can't hope that my firewood gets chopped and, and brought in ready. No, I hope, but I've also got to do it. I've got to work with it at the same time. Steadiness contentment, hope. And the other thing is about certainty. Certainty means you can be certain of some things. You can be certain that one day you will no longer be here. You'll be dead. Okay, it's certainty. I can be certain that if I grow everything in the garden this year, I've got to do it again next year if I'm still here, if the first certainty doesn't overtake the second one. So certain things in our life are certainties. You can't fight against certainties. You know, you can have lots of money in the bank, but if you spend it, it's not there anymore. So the certainty is, as well as having money in the bank, you've got to make sure that some more money is coming in the bank. That's how the system works. If certainty isn't part of your life, think about it. Think about what things in your life are certain. There's very few things, to be honest, but one of the things that is certain is that you are going to have to be the main pilot of what you do, the pilot of your life. You're going to have to choose, you're going to have to make decisions, and you're going to have to work with them. That is at the essence of simple living. The other thing that a a solid core can do is make you feel at home. Now, as I talk about this, I'm a great fan of the book by J.D. Salinger called Franny and Zui. And if you haven't read it, I recommend you you do so. 
because it is one of the most insightful books I've ever read in my life. The last chapter of it, and no, you can't pick up a copy and read the last chapter. You've got to read through the whole book to get there, first of all. The last chapter of that book is probably one of the most impressive bits of writing I've ever come across. Because in it, Salinger gives a sort of plan for life. And it's a flexible plan, but it is a plan for life, which he gives you at the end of Franny and, and Zoe. And what he does there is give this sense of, of being, a sense of certainty, a sense of being at home. And, and all of these things are important to us. And as far as simple living goes, taking your own surroundings and making them home is more important than finding the perfect home. Making your land as productive as you want is more important than sitting down and dreaming about a piece of land that would be very productive that you might have one day. I want to read you a little bit by Donna Tart here. Now, Donna Tart is uh, a favourite of mine as a novelist. She writes wonderful novels. She doesn't write that many. She tends to take her time. And so far, there are only three novels. And my favourite one of those novels, I will tell you right away, is the one that everybody says is their least favourite. Um, I like the, the one called The Little Friend, which I think is a, is a work of genius. But there we go. Here's a quote from Donna Tartt. And this, in fact, comes not from um, The Little Friend. It comes from The Goldfinch, for which they made an awful film, which I've not bothered seeing because I just read the reviews. And this is the quote. And just as music is the space between notes, and just as the stars are beautiful because of the space between them, and just as the sun strikes raindrops at a certain angle and throws a prism of colour across the sky, so the space where I exist and want to keep existing, and to be quite frank hope to die in, is exactly this middle distance, where despair struck pure otherness and created something sublime. End of quote. Now, um, don't take that quote out of context if you like. Read the book. It's wonderful. That's from The Goldfinch. And while we're on the subject of quotes, this is a, a quote. As I said earlier, I am a Quaker, and, and, and being a Quaker is my spiritual core. Oh, I've got to stop. There's another cat that wants to come in. Right, all four cats are in now. That should be the end of it for a, a few minutes at least. This is from a... Now, Quakers don't have any creed. There's nothing, there's no set of beliefs you have to prescribe to to be a Quaker. It's not like many churches when they have articles or a, a creed or something that you have to say, I believe this and I believe that. In terms of Quaker, you develop your own beliefs. But there is a sort of structure to being a Quaker which is about the way you live your life. And there's a book called Advices and Queries. Now, a Quaker meeting near you will have their own version of Advice and Queries, but all over the world, they're pretty much the same, even though the, the wording may be difficult. Now, I first became a Quaker back in Britain, and this is from the Britain Yearly Meeting. That means when the Quakers in Britain get together once a year and come up with these things. And this is from Advice and Queries, and it says this, open quote, Try to live simply. A simple lifestyle freely chosen is a source of strength. 
Do not be persuaded into buying what you do not need and cannot afford. Do you keep yourself informed of the effects of your style of living is having on the global economy and environment? One more time with that. Try to live simply. A simple lifestyle freely chosen is a source of strength. Do not be persuaded into buying what you do not need or cannot afford. Do keep yourself informed of about the effects your style of living is having on the global economy and environment. Okay, so wherever you find... I've, the reason I, I, I splattered over that last bit of reading is because my lights are flickering and going out here and it's very dark outside, so a bit of a problem seeing. Um, I was reading that from a, a book. The, the point of developing then this steady core of your own spiritual values and ethics and beliefs is that they enable you to be stronger. They enable you to cope when things go wrong. They enable you to see the way forward. They give you steadiness. They give you contentment. They give you hope. They give you certainty. And they give you a feeling of being at home. If you find you haven't got all these things, if you find that when you look into your cupboard of, of sort of spiritual strengths, there's lots of things missing, I would suggest that's a part of your life that you need to spend some time with. It's an aspect of simple living that many would say isn't important as some of the other things we do, but I would argue is very, very important for the kind of life you want to lead. Now, you have a choice here, don't you, about whether your spiritual values and beliefs are something that you do yourself or whether, in actual fact, it's something to do with um, whether you want to join in with other people or not. And some of you will already be members of communities. Some of you will belong to things like a church group or a local meeting or a local group that you belong to. Some of you will be members of communities online that you find that you are supported by other people who share common values with you. You may find yourself being a bit of a hermit. You may find yourself, there's a bit of a box argument going on here about which cat gets to sit in the box. The box is big enough for more than one cat, I hasten to add. You may find yourself a bit of a loner. You may find that your spiritual beliefs are self-sufficient in themselves and through reading and study and contemplation, you get where you want to be. And that's fine. But if you do want to join with other people, that's fine also. But listen to these warnings. One, do not be prepared to throw aside values that you have in order to fit in with a group that maybe has slightly different values. If you have core beliefs about something, don't be persuaded by somebody else who says, no, you've got to believe this in order to join our group. If you've got to change your core beliefs to join a group, then it's not the right group for you. You may change your mind about all sorts of things, but don't be forced into it. And I would, I would argue this is always going to be the case. Uh, if you're joining in a group with others to find some spiritual togetherness, it's a bit like going to buy an overcoat. 
What you want is one that fits you properly and will keep you warm. And you also want one that is going to do you winter after winter after winter. If you buy a coat that doesn't quite fit right or a coat that isn't quite as warm as you'd like it, but it's what everybody else is wearing, so you buy it, you've made a mistake. And the same thing goes in finding some other group of people that you want to join in with. Now, to tie all these ideas together, I want to tell you a story about a, a song that you will all know. And this song uh, dates back to the 19th century, and it was written by a man called Joseph Brackett. And uh, Joseph Brackett was a Quaker who originally came from England, as far as we can tell, and settled in, I believe, New York State. And he, together with many other Quakers at the time, eventually went to join another group of people called Shakers. And the Shakers were very big in, in New England and, and in the Northeast generally. And... They were a very simple community that lived together in simplicity. They have virtually died out. There are a few people who still call themselves Shakers. The main reason they died out is because they, they didn't believe in um, men and women from the group having children together. They didn't believe that men and women, that once joining the groups, have sexual intercourse. So no babies were born in the group, although many people joined the group that already had children. And for many years, people used to leave unwanted babies on the doorstep of the Shaker Meeting House. So they increased their numbers in that way. And there's a very nice story about somebody from Britain who made a radio programme who went to find out about the origins of this song. And they went to the Quaker Meeting House that it knew Joseph Brackett attended. And they said, do you know anything about this friend Joseph Brackett? Quakers call each other's friends and they said no we have no record of him here and they went all through the books and they went through the graveyard at the back of the meeting house and there was no reference to Joseph Brackett at all and then uh, one of the, the, the uh, people at the meeting picked up all the books that people have been using and went to put them away in this chest and when they opened the chest it said on the inside made by Joseph Brackett. So they found evidence that he was a member of that meeting, even if they couldn't find any documentary evidence in the normal way. If I give you the first verse of Joseph Brackett's song, you will see how relevant it is to what I've been talking about today, and you will see that you know it very well. I'm not going to sing it, because I have cats here. It wouldn't be kind. Um, here it goes. "'Tis a gift to be simple, Tis a gift to be free, tis a gift to come down where you ought to be. And when we find ourselves in a place just right, it will be in the valley of love and delight. End of quote. That's the first verse. And you can see how those ideas of steadiness, contentment, hope, feeling of being at home and certainty, the things you need to develop for your inner steady core are all there. It's been nice talking with you and I hope we talk again soon. Please pass on any details of this podcast to others who may be interested. I will be grateful to you. Thank you and goodbye.